0: To the kingdom roots podcast with scott mcknight the conversation designed to look at how the kingdom took root then and how it's taking root now my name is laura taro and today on the podcast we have ivan ramirez as our guest ivan is a pastor at new life bible church in twin lakes wisconsin and he's also a graduate of northern seminary Welcome to the
1: podcast, Ivan. I'm oh, glad to be here.
2: Ivan, it's really good to see you. Of course, the, uh, the Kingdom Roots podcast people can't see you. They'll have to, they'll just that. have to listen to your <laughs> melodious voice. But um, uh, Laura doesn't know this, but Ivan uh, is, a, is a D-Min graduate, and he traveled with our tour group to Israel yep. and gave um, an amazing talk in front of the temples in Caesarea Philippi. And we were there this year and I said to Bill, I said, we need Ivan. We need (laughs) Ivan back here to get back talking. (laughs) And Ivan, there were kids everywhere. Wow. I mean, it was like five different little schools in Galilee, Jewish kids, Arab kids. Um, They were all running around everywhere. (laughs) and, And before we were about the only people in sight. And this time it was just packed with people. But Ivan Ivan is a gifted speaker and a much-loved peer in his class. And so we thought it'd be really good to have Ivan um, have, uh, have a conversation with us about pastoring during COVID. But Ivan right. is in a unique situation. Well, it's not unique because... Uh, as he just told me. There's other pastors making uh-huh. transitions. But Ivan was pastoring in the city of Chicago. Uh-huh. And now he's pastoring in barely civilized Wisconsin.
1: <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you the the, the, the Wi Fi signal here, ah, it's hard to get used to.
2: <laughs> the people are great but the internet's
1: Thanks. <laughs> oh, it does? Really?
2: Oh, I <laughs> oh, thought you were going to look. Oh, really? I did not know that. Well, well, tell us about um, some of your pastoring um, experiences, good, bad, yeah. difficult, challenges, new things that you learned during uh, COVID.
1: You know, when COVID first hit, and it was oh, a little bit over a month after we got back from Israel that everything shut yes. down. Yeah, so we're cool. one of the last uh, tour groups which was really special uh not knowing back then how special it would have been. Yeah. But I think like a lot of people we kind of put our capes on and, and you know tore the shirt open have the super pastor uh outfit <laughs> on and we just went into uh uh went into just emergency mode and uh, not knowing what was going on not knowing the extent of, of Uh, the danger, not knowing what was going to happen. And so for about three months, I think I was running just on adrenaline. Uh, As pastors, we are, I I think a lot of us are by nature kind of fix it kind of guys. And and so we just transitioned into doing something that perhaps we should have been doing. But in trying to help people cope with, with the difficulties of COVID, uh, I found myself emotionally drained after about uh, three or four months and beginning to run on fumes. And it really didn't hit till about a year later where my typical support groups uh, weren't present anymore. My co-elders and other leaders at the church uh, weren't able to physically be there. Um, Even when we had returned uh, to uh, in-person services, it was a skeleton crew that we had. And it really was around that time that I began to um, feel a sense of, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm I'm tired of this. Uh, I'm tired of, uh, and looking back, I think there was a a mixture of self-focus, like little pity party, why me? Uh, everyone else gets, uh, this, this, why, why do I have to always give and not get to, unlike Moses, who was an amazing leader, <laughs> uh, and, and it, I just kind of felt really alone.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: I felt in some ways abandoned, uh, felt like I got her audio and it was around April, well, February, uh, 2021, where I. I didn't even want to go to church anymore. I, mm-hmm. I, my heart wasn't in it. Uh, I hated waking up Sunday mornings, uh, and having to go and preach and to the skeleton crew. And it was just, uh, uh, wow. a, a sense of depression to a point where I said, you know, I can't do this anymore. And it was around March that I told them, you know, Six more weeks and I'm out of here. The week after Easter, and I felt like Easter wouldn't have been a a bad time to quit, so yeah, waited till the yeah. week after.
2: Yeah. Well, that's uh, I I talked to a pastor the other day, and he's in a big network of pastors, and he told me, he knew, he knew personally fifty some pastors who had quit, yeah, during COVID, but he told me. Yeah. That the numbers that he was hearing is that about twenty five percent were either right. quitting or considering quitting and trying to figure out what they could do if they didn't pastor any longer. Right. And uh, so it was a really difficult time. But Ivan, there's a there's some shifts that occurred for you right. during this time. Huge, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Tell us tell us about what happened. I mean, yeah, cool. you you quit yeah. your church in Chicago, right? So I quit in April. Um,
1: and so the, the hard part of that was wrestling with failure. I right? feel like you, you quit, you fail. Uh, but the, the blessing of that is that, and I, I think throughout the whole time, one of the, one of the, the things that I think people can, you know, if you call anything that came out of it, a blessing, right. Is mm-hmm. that you got back time. And so I, Uh, During this time, I had some of the best uh, family time. Uh, Well, having been always on the go, and and I've heard of these things called sabbaticals, but I've never (laughs) seen one. Uh, To me, it was kind of like a unicorn. Uh, But being forced to shut everything down kind of gave us a bit of a sabbatical where I had some amazing family time. And having stepped down from my church, it, it it did a couple things. It gave me time to finish up uh, uh, our work uh, for Northern, finish up uh, my thesis, uh, but it also gave me time to stop and think, is this really what I wanna do for the next 20, 30, 40 years? Uh, it helped me to reevaluate my call and see if this in fact is just being done out of compulsion or just uh, being done because I need a paycheck, or am I doing this out of passion? And I, it's kind of like job. Like, does does job serve you because you're paying him to serve you, or or take away everything? Oh, let's see, let's see what he got. Not that I was jobbed because I'm nowhere near <laughs> what what's described of him. Uh, but it really gave me an opportunity to stop and say, why am I doing these things? So we started attending a church that was. About a block and a half uh, from uh, from our home, and just being able to sit down in a service without having any type of leadership responsibility was refreshing and revitalizing, and helped rejuvenate uh, some gifts uh, that had been overused. Uh, and so, I got the time to finish up my uh, work with uh, with Northern, which you know I finished a week ahead of time. So praise the Lord. <laughs>
2: A week before graduation, not that's a week right. ahead of time.
1: That's a minor detail people don't need to know. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, and also, it just gave me a desire to want to be back in the pulpit, to be back shepherding people, but with a renewed focus uh, on why I do what I do.
0: Yeah, that's really good. I, as you're as you're saying that, I'm thinking about moments um and how infrequently pastors get to go and just be part of worship without leading it and how important and critical that is and not just a one-off at a conference or whatever but to have weeks where you are just coming and participating without being expected to lead can be so very healing it Um, really was yeah, that's so important, and and I do think that's sort of a testimony to the importance of sabbatical. Like you're saying, yeah. like that that where else do you get that time? You know, except between appointments and and on yeah. sabbatical to just go be a participant. Yeah,
1: yeah, and for a while, you know, I got exhausted communicating the world, but sitting under someone else's teaching, I started thinking. I would do that differently. or I don't think I would do things that way. You know what? Let me just get back up there. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. And that's an indication that your call is still there, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah.
2: So, but I, Ivan, didn't you began. I'm. I i don't know the, the months exactly, but you began to be like an interim pastor. Yeah. Is that correct? And then yeah. got called to this church. So tell us a little bit of this.
1: Yeah. So between April and July is kind of our, our, a time away out of the pulpit, and around July, um, I felt like it was time we we're ready. And we—I've done some pulpit supply here and there, but nothing uh, of any uh, anything to report. But in July, I called a friend of mine. I said I just told him uh, I was ready to to get back into ministry. And he said I have um, a church that I'm meeting with in one hour. They're looking for. They just lost their pastor and um And so he said, let me call you back. So an hour later, uh, and during this time I was working with the uh, Chicagoland Prison Ministry, and so I was doing something with them at that time. So I stepped aside, and received the call, he said, Can you preach there this Sunday? He said, Yeah, sure, no problem. Uh, that was the um, weekend after the fourth. I reached out to the other and said, You know, what are some things that um you feel like the people need to hear? And he said, The people really are, are they, they just lost their pastor of 18 years, and uh he was beloved and they've had a few interim pastors and one of them was um uh, a little bit abusive uh in the pulpit um and the way he was handling it with peace so he said so they just need something to help them move forward and so we just after a conversation with him I thought, you know, Abraham's great life of Abraham's just a great place to go to and, and moving forward in faith. And so that Sunday we went and, and just shared the word and the there's just a, was a culture of kindness that existed within the church uh, between one another that really uh, struck, uh, really pulled that kind of my heartstrings and, and thinking that, you know, are these guys for real? Yeah. I mean, anybody can be nice to the other people around them, but somewhere back in mind, I'm thinking this, this can't be, let's just putting on airs for the new guy. Right. And, kept coming one week after another and found that there was really a genuine love that they had for one another that uh that i needed to learn from as well as uh receiving so i got a little bit greedy thinking you know i need this for me yeah uh, i don't know it. what what where their feelings are about this but i need this for myself uh to help me grow and so uh after this kind of uh let's think chemistry. Uh, that continue to just uh, grow with one with us and the church.
2: And um, now you're still living in Chicago.
1: Yeah, so I still have my house uh, there in uh, South Suburban Berwyn. So.
2: Okay, but you're but you're right now in Wisconsin.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of a nomad right now. We're <laughs> we're squatting at one one of the uh, folks here at the church. Um, there's just incredibly kind and generous and, and have enough space to house us. So I'm squatting at, at their place until uh, we find something uh, more permanent, but our house is on the market just hasn't sold yet. Um, so we're praying that it sells for a double the asking price. And then...
2: <laughs> <laughs> Ivan, are your kids in school in Wisconsin? Were they in school in Wisconsin? No, uh, they were
1: homeschooled. So the transition okay. was easy for them. Mm. Uh, okay. They got Stay. no breaks. They got no, <laughs> they didn't have to deal with <laughs> <that>. <laughs> any technical difficulties.
2: Oh boy, oh, boy. Okay. Now, Ivan Ivan is from the city of Chicago, yep. pastoring in, in Wisconsin. But Ivan, I think our listeners would like to hear a little bit about your call to ministry.
1: Yeah. 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 uh, Gladly. Thank you for uh, your
2: your background. You know, you've got quite a story here. Yeah.
1: I do appreciate you asking. Um, It really is a, uh, it's just a testament to God's grace. Uh, Before I came to Christ, you know, born and raised in Chicago, Uh, not not one of the nice suburbs. Sometimes people say they're from Chicago, but they are really like from, an hour and a half away. (laughs) So (laughs) to me, that doesn't count. (laughs) Um, I was born and raised in the city in a a part of Chicago known as a little village, La Vita, uh, which is 98% uh, Mexican. Uh, I myself, am mostly Puerto Rican. So you're placing a Puerto Rican and Mexican community, you're automatically asking for trouble right there. Uh, But uh, I didn't grow up going to church. Uh, We claimed Christian only because it was just like checking a box uh, on a form. Uh, We had no idea what it meant to be a follower of Christ. I didn't even go Christmas and Easter. That's how little my, uh, even just my knowledge of who God is, uh, my knowledge of who God is was virtually non-existent. Other than I heard about Jesus, uh, I heard about some things from uh, some churches who would come knock on your door, um, but beyond that, I had no idea about anything about the Bible. I just knew I believed in God. I ended up just uh I ended up joining i got i dropped out of high school twice the second time I was sure it wasn 't for me and, and hanging out with the guys in the neighborhood um my you know through my siblings, my brothers have all been were all involved in gangs and so I just joined because I was lonely and I was bored. And I had all this time on my hands, nothing to do, no direction in life. Um, and I, I'm not, uh, I'm not a tough guy. I'm not a violent person, but I just wanted to be with people, and that that was the main motivator for uh, my participation in gangs. And that just kind of led to other things that result in depression and. and um, I had no idea where I was going. It felt like I was in a dead end lifestyle, which I was. And one day, I just cried out for help, um, and I didn't. I mean, I think I was praying, but I couldn't. It wasn't even qualified as a prayer, uh, but the Lord decided to hear anyway. And so this was um, back in the summer of '97. Uh, seems like such a, like a lifetime ago. And that winter, uh, that December thirtieth, I ended up getting arrested for a crime I had not committed, and the charges that I had were uh, murder, two attempted murders, and thirteen aggravated assaults. And how they came to the conclusion of thirteen aggravated assaults is beyond me. And so I, I mean, I became uh, suicidal. I had no idea what was going on, why, why it was happening, and, and you know, I'm, God didn't put me in jail, my, my lifestyle choices and my friends did, but he used that as an opportunity to get my attention, and, and being locked in myself for 23 out of 24 hours a day for the first three weeks, I had a lot of time on my hands to read, and so I, I started uh, reading the Bible, and I wasn't looking to, this wasn't like summer camp where you wanna make friends for life, right? I was looking to just stay stay to myself and be as unnoticeable as possible. And so I'm just reading the Bible um, and there was a chaplain who came by and asked if you want to go to a service. You had to fill out a form in order to go and wanting to one, get out of my cell, have a different environment, but two, I, I was genuinely seeking, but not really guided in how to. Uh, I signed up for chapel, and when I went, and mind you, this was um, back then. Cook County had a super maximum division; they called it Division Eleven, and that's where I was. And there were fifteen of us on this case, and I understood why ten out of the fifteen were there because right? I knew those guys, and they were they were they were tough tough hombres. I had no idea why I was in that mix um, because I wasn't. Uh, like I said, I, was, I wasn't in their class when it came to my involvement. Um, but at this uh, chapel service, a gentleman was sharing his testimony on the power of God in his life and how God had um, delivered him. And I was hearing this, I was like, oh, yeah, it sounds pretty good. But And when they gave the invitation to receive Christ, I was thinking to myself, I'm, you know, this is super max back then, so I'm in here with heads of gangs i'm in here with some of the worst people in chicago i ain't getting up for anything to receive christ because <laughs> I do not want to give any sign of weakness whatsoever but while I was, while i was trying to be tough i started crying like a baby <laughs> uh-huh. i just blew that whole facade out, out of the water and i just got up and you know said simple prayer to receive christ but uh i vividly remember Feeling free for the first time in my life. I just weight the, the the weight of of I what I think it was just the weight of my, the burdens that I created for myself had just been lifted, and that was back in uh, February of ninety eight. Around that time, that uh, I gave my life to Christ, and uh, He has never let me down, nor has He. Uh, every dream we've had has come true, and so uh, it's just been an incredible. Uh, wild ride, and you know, being part of, uh, having coming come from that to uh, Scott to have been part of your Deeming class and just that incredible experience. It was,
0: uh, it was really
1: just a dream come true. That that is a testament to how God works in people's lives.
2: Okay, but now everybody in this everybody's listening is going to say, "How'd you get out of prison?" Yeah,
1: <laughs> so I got bailed out. Um, so I got bailed out uh, six months after uh, being arrested, and it was three days before the Bulls won their sixth title. Uh, <laughs> so I was able to celebrate uh, the last, the last <laughs> title uh, in, in uh, Bulls history so far. But also, um, a friend of mine came to visit me while I was there, and he was involved in youth ministry and. I'd bump into him from time to time. He'd come share Christ. And a single guy from Iowa who just God had called to do a ministry in our part of town. And when, when he came to visit me, I shared with him that uh, I was thinking that I was going to get bailed, bailed out soon. But I didn't want to go back and hang out with the same guys. Uh, my problem wasn't that I had enemies. My problem was that I had friends. And I didn't want to go back and Friends come knocking on the door and, hey, come on. I didn't want to get back involved in that. So he graciously opened up his home to me uh, to come live with him. And so uh, after the Bulls won the championship, I went to live with him for about a year and got involved in ministry. We had just amazing conversations about life and about Christ uh, every evening over a bowl of cereal. And it was there that I got to kind of cut my teeth on, on preaching and teaching. And he started me off with kids because um, his thinking was, well, if I, if I go bad, then, you know, kids won't remember. <laughs> and, so, and so he started me off with, with uh, kids and just um, we just progressed from there. And it was during this time that a friend of mine said, hey, you ever think about being a pastor? And, and I, mind you, I, I was just happy following Jesus, doing what I was doing. I had no academic pursuits whatsoever, just uh just kinda happy doing uh, doing my thing. But when he had said that, I said, you know what? I think that that's a possibility. And uh I had to, but I had to get my GED. <laughs> and so uh I took the test twice. I failed in one particular area. Uh, but I was able to get my GD and enroll uh at that time I started at Moody, but then ended up transferring to a smaller school in Kansas City that was a little more personal and intimate, and was what I needed uh, at that time. Having come from no educational background to uh, going to uh, college level courses was incredibly difficult for me, so I needed a more personal, intimate setting. And it was at this time at uh, school in Kansas City. You know, I wasn't depending on my parents anymore. You know, I had opportunity to become my own person. I realized that if I don't marry this girl that I've been dating, that I'm a fool. And so uh, it was during that time that I got married and uh, last semester of graduating when uh, the church in Berwyn had reached out and said, hey, we're looking for a pastor. And uh, we had uh, both just, uh, and we, we accepted the call uh, during that last semester and uh, God's just continued. So I was bailed out, but all charges were to answer the original question, all charges were I was uh, found not guilty almost three years later, um, so a judge agreed that <laughs> I did not have any part in the crime. Wow! Yeah, what's kind of cool wow. about that too? My lawyer was a uh, was uh, uh, he was a committed uh, follower of Christ, and I would see him at Moody because he was taking night
2: classes. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: I got some free counsel. There that nice, <laughs> nice.
2: Wow! 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 I hadn't heard that one. I knew you were at Moody and I'd forgotten about the Kansas City School, but then you came to uh Northern and you know I I I'm not advertising here, but I guess this is advertising. Um is that um you discovered the significance of cohort model of education with your absolutely with your peers and yeah. you were highly respected and every every year When we were on campus, every course was a Wednesday or Thursday night. You invited everybody to your house for tacos. Yeah, right. 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 (laughs) And I always told you it's way too late for Chris and me. (laughs)
1: Well, it's pretty far too. But yeah, every Thursday during that week uh, for every course, except for the last one, we we, uh, would have dinner and it was really a great time to just bond outside of the classroom. And Mm -hmm. uh, I always appreciated that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, pastoring now, tell me um, what it's like to pastor in Wisconsin after having pastored in Berwyn and City.
1: During, from September to January, it's a little bit rough because the Packers are always trouncing on the Bears. (laughs) (laughs) and you got to hear it every single game every time
2: i mean the way they dress everything is packers all the time everybody's got a green shirt (laughs) all year long it's not just during football it's all year long
1: (laughs) and i refuse to become packers fan not because they're a bad team it's just you just can't do it it's it's morally uh, reprehensible to switch teams (laughs) Okay, now so, I got
2: I to gotta tell you something, Ivan. You don't know this, I don't think, but our son, you know, who grew up a Cub fan, mm-hmm. played five years in the Cubs organization, worked yeah. in the Cubs organization for another 15 years, became assistant scouting director for the Chicago Cubs, resigned a couple of years ago, okay. and worked in a startup tech company And was offered a job with the Cleveland Indians now called the Cleveland Guardians. And now Lucas, our son, is a Cleveland Guardian scout. But here's (laughs) the thing. We are now Guardians fans. So we've changed teams as fast as LeBron James. (laughs) (laughs) Go where the money is. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Go where the sun is. That's what, uh, what we do. But uh, so, but pa- tell us just a little bit about, about your pastor experience now in Wisconsin.
1: It's been, uh, so some of the small challenges have been going from a big city to a small city. Uh, and it's not even a small city, it's a small town. Uh, we don't have a stoplight in downtown. So it's a small town of 6,000. Berwyn's a town of 100,000. Uh so the, the conveniences of having a Walgreens a block away uh, are gone uh, and I really miss those conveniences particularly with today's gas prices um, uh, technology is a bit of a struggle because there is uh, you know I don't think there's a 5G tower in our, our area and so uh, things are a lot slower um, and like, personally, uh, some of my insecurities really come to the surface. Uh, not so much in the church, but in the community when I'm the only one who looks like me. Uh, and I, and though it may not be what's going on, my perception is that everyone's looking at me. And I have to watch myself that much more because I'm, you know, one of the few people, you know, there's uh twin lakes. is uh, as white as little village is Hispanic. It's about 98% white. And so, um, uh, there, there aren't a lot of, uh, Latinos, uh, who are here in the town. So I, there's a bit of a insecurity when I'm out and about in town, because I, I feel like people are, are looking at me or, or watching my move or, um, which they probably were in Berwyn as well but it it just feels more personal over here
2: have you um do you feel yet that you're beginning to integrate into the community say with leaders pastors business people yeah yeah, yeah.
1: yeah you know everybody here is is really kind um
2: there's you
1: know small town there's a intimacy here intimacy here that you really can't find other places and and so uh just getting together with some pastors in the area and trying to make it a more formal uh, monthly meeting has been great um our church is uh, part of a network of churches and so uh there's a one guy who's in town uh we have real similar passions and drives has been fantastic just getting to know him and his family um being the new guy you know you're just kind of dipping your toe in uh things here and there but um you know, small town. Everybody knows what's going on. Yeah. I thought that was just the stereotype. But <laughs> you know, we, we we go to have some donuts at this place that makes fantastic donuts, and you know, you you introduce yourself to people it's like, oh yeah, we know the church. We know you you've been there. We you know you're six one and I know your weight, your shoe size. They, they got all <laughs> the information readily available. Uh-huh. How in the world does everybody know? The yeah. word spreads around in a small town and so
2: Hey, have you yeah. had any Kringle yet? No, no. Okay, now. Well, okay, it's famous in Kenosha and Racine.
1: Okay, but it's yeah, a, we're right by there.
2: It's a long, it's like a circle of a pastry with some, mm-hmm. oh, it's.
0: It's good my, stuff.
2: Oh, my son used to eat <laughs> half a Kringle for breakfast you got gonna you once your kids once your kids uh taste kringle you're gonna be indebted to driving to kenosha or whatever ask ask somebody in your community if there's anybody oh, so i'll ask them right now i'm gonna yeah. text
1: them right after we get out what's, what's this is kringle i hear of?
0: it's good stuff it's
1: good yeah. stuff well, well i've I been... chris kringle
0: there you chris go chris. see it makes it memorable well, Ivan, thank you so much for being with us. It's just it's just fun to connect with pastors and hear about their experience in this season. And um, it's fun to have the Northern connection, too. I, we said last time, like, there, there are pastors that come out of Northern that are serving in all different kinds of settings. And it's just fun to hear their experiences and challenges and ways that they're growing and being encouraged so it's fun i think it sounds like you're in a good place with good people which is so yeah. fun to hear yeah i appreciate yeah, that quick,
1: give a quick plug to northern it's the only dim men that focus on new testament context that's what drew me and uh, you're not going to find it anywhere else and faculty is just top-notch uh scott leading i i view you as a leader of the faculty but i don't know i don't know how the actual pecking order we'd have to ask
2: david fitch if that's the case
0: (laughs) (laughs) it is true it is true there's phenomenal professors and i i have uh i know ivan you probably would say this too but just totally blessed by the other students too there's just absolutely wonderful people that go through those programs and there's real networking and care that goes into those relationships so it's really important
1: and you really do build lifelong friendships you do
0: you do yeah well to all of our guests i want to say that we look forward to being with you next time as we continue our conversation on how the kingdom took root then and how it's taking root now thanks so much for being with us